The Say Something Podcast is brought to you by BlackBlueprints.com. That's BlackBlueprints with a Z dot com. I am Jermaine Morris, as always, here with the one and only Mr. Barry Axius. Yes, sir. We're bringing the newest episode of the Say Something Podcast. Say some, say some, say something. That's right. Say something with Jermaine Morris and Barry Axius bringing you episode 102. 102, 102, 102. <laughs> Sounds like an area code, dog. Man, we talk about everything going on in the traffic out here in the life, out here in these streets. In these cold, cold, cold streets. Cold streets at 102. Sheesh. Always talking about what folks out here who are doing it for the for the culture, for the life out here. Or the likes. The or the or the likes. Or, or the like or the likes. I do mean we don't highlight too many folks just doing it for the likes. Okay. But an impact that's been made through either their deeds, works, information, their art, their their boots on the ground, influence across the board. Just some folks that some don't get any shine some maybe not as much as they should or just appreciating those who've just been doing it consistently mm. and and this week this episode dedicated to an individual uh she's still with us but uh came into the game in 1943 mm. she came into this life and in her lifetime she's been a poet writer uh commentator activist and uh, and an educator uh in the 1960s she was one of the most one of the foremost authors for what was known as the black arts movement, which came out of the black power movement, the civil rights movement. Like she put pen to paper to kind of voice the frustrations and the passions and the energy of the time period. Uh, and it, she made a shift in the 1970s where she then started writing. She became uh, writing children's literature. Yeah. All still with under the same premise of just kind of speaking truth to everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, her, her works have been, noted in the sense that she's got keys to the city in more than two dozen american cities including like new york miami los angeles new orleans like like her, her work has definitely been appreciated uh, and in our community as well she's a recipient of uh seven naacp image awards she got the presidential medal of honor through a uh, dillard university the Martin Luther King Award for dedication and commitment to service, as well as the Maya Angelou Lifetime Achievement Award. In 1971, on a, a PBS show called Soul, which recorded in London, she had a great conversation with uh, James Baldwin. Okay. And he at the time was 46 and she was only 28. But the dialogue between the two of them was almost like a tennis match of compassion and intellect and energy they were breaking down life and politics and the, the the dynamic between black men and women and our position in this world and what was necessary and neither one of them it wasn't a debate where they were challenging each other to win it was more so challenging each other to learn and both of them being so learned but like i said him 46 and her 28 they were going back and forth and you could see moments if you ever catch it where you can see where she enlightened him James Baldwin was a genius mind. And the fact that, that this 28 year old was dropping gems on him that made him pause and, and be taken aback. Uh, she is impacted and influenced so many. She came into the world as Yolanda Cornelia Giovanni, but nicknamed by her by her sister. Most of the world knows her by uh, her pen name to show a little love and appreciation one time to Nikki Giovanni. 
Oh, yes, yes. Nikki Giovanni. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, I've 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 I've, I've been um in rooms with her. Yeah, she's um she had two great quotes that I really liked. And uh one was uh mistakes are a part of life, it's the response to the error that counts. Mm. And then one that I've always believed, she said, uh, nothing is easy to the unwilling. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, nothing is easy. Yeah, nothing is easy to the unwilling. So whatever it is, if you don't want to do it, it's going to be hard. Yeah. <laughs> like for all the people who are like, I can't change. I can't do this. I can't. If you don't want to do it, everything is a struggle. Damn right. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Nothing is easy to the unwilling. <laughs> But if you ever catch that that thing, it's like a four hour conversation she had with James Baldwin. Okay. Uh, where I think the most notable part was where they had the conversation where she was like, uh, I need you to lie to me like you lie to them white folks at your job. And James Baldwin was like, I can't lie to you. Like when I come to you, I need to come to you as I am. Like I have to wear this shield out in the world every day. And when I come home, I just want to be me. And yeah. she's like, no, everybody in the world get your smiles they get you know of course the the white dude at your job doesn't know you dislike him you smile at him every day but when you come home i get the attitude i get the the anger i get the frustrations of the world she said lie to me like you lie to them wow and and yeah and in that moment you could see his face because his thought process was no like i'm I, i need to be real and honest with you and if i'm frustrated you get my frustration because this is my safe place she's like i don't need it to be she said, I, 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 I need to, you know, black women need to feel that same degree of appreciation and sympathy and happiness. You show the people you can't stand all day. Mm. You know, they 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 get the fake happy you. You come home and I get the worst of you. Wow. You know, it's a it's a great program. If you can catch it, uh, that, 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 that sure you. seems like it's. Very relevant. That's what I was saying. Today. This was recorded in November of <laughs> nineteen seventy one, and you yes. think it was it, it was February twenty twenty one. Like the dialogue and the back and forth is real good. It was a program. It was on. It was a program called Soul. They had a lot of great great interviews on. It. It's four hours long, and it, it's it. But if you can catch clips of it, catch recordings of it, you can catch. I don't know where you can catch it in its entirety, but yeah. it, it's. I've 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 watched. I don't know if I've seen the total of it by now, but it, it's really deep. It's 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 a really good program. Facts. Well, yeah. It's a lot, you know. I think that in the subject matter of it all, I mean, speaking to it, it speaks volumes to currently where we're at. Um, very sad times, man. Just <laughs> yeah, the dynamic between uh, the men and women, in 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 that vein of black women getting the worst of black men. Yeah. In, in the sense of I, I do have an appreciation for when you come home, that should be a place where you can be yourself. But it, there's a difference between being yourself and then letting all the frustrations that you had during the day out on somebody at home. That's because that's hard. not being yourself either. That's not being yourself any more than putting on the fake smile. Mm-hmm. You're unloading the burden of the fake smile on the person that you say you're supposed to love. Well, I mean, how do we, as black men, as you know, we've been doing a series, um, brother, can we talk? Yeah. Um, via she could be my daughter, and discussing domestic violence and um, violence on black children, 
as well as multiple conversations and topics about, you know, how do black men play a role um, in the dynamics of domestic violence in our communities and triggers um, and things we need to look out for and how, you know, the emotional things that we don't usually address in our communities with black men, how can we address it with it being normal and not conceding for a, a, a weakness, tra- a weakest, uh, the weakness trait in you, or just being seen as someone's trying to get over because, you know, you'd be suspicious when Nichols is asking you too many personal questions. Yeah. When you look at the state of where we are, and it's a state of panic, you know, talk about the pandemic that we're slowly curving, um, you know, black people, as I've continued to say, have been in a pandemic and no vaccine, um, no stimulus package, um, no great speech or finger pointing at uh, another culture to, to speak to why we are ineffective in understanding what creates the energy that is created in our community for us to lash out on each other as if we hate each other. Um, None of that can really pinpoint to what we're trying to get to. And I think that for me, um, it's a lot of more serious, in-depth conversations that we've never necessarily had when we talk about accountability and we talk about a responsibility to our own, where we are not being caught in the middle of some of the toxic behaviors that have been so relatively passed on from generations to generations, or we've accepted to be, that's what we're supposed to do as men. That's just the norm now. That's just a, that's our thing. Um, You know, granted that I'm not saying, or you're saying, you know, you can't be upset as we see, um, that Kurt Franklin incident that everyone's talking about, you know, yep. and him going after his 33 year old, um, you know, son. And I made, I made, you know, I made remarks on it. And the only reason why I made remarks on it, because I think that we oftentimes idolize these characters, right? And Kirk Franklin is another character, um, you know, an image of maybe something we want to be or an image of perfection in whatever way, because he's at this plateau. And, you know, he's this godly fearing man. We more or less get disappointed, not by the action, but realizing like, damn, he's just like me. He's human. <laughs> he's human. You mean this nigga cusses? Um, it, it's necessarily not the incident. But again, it opens up a lot of conversation of, of how we as men talk to each other. Yeah. Right. And. I'm never going to walk around here as having my own as if I don't and haven't yeah. <laughs> in the last six months had some rude, rude words or some vile conversation with my own and it being a daughter. But it's funny how people love to judge the simple fact that our reaction to what happened was kind of nonchalant, but at the same time want to mirror two grown men into toxicity of a a man and woman or uh, a man talking to a younger man, a younger uh, a man, right? Yeah. I think that to me, it's just like, one, there, 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 there was a lot of things 
that got violated. First of all, privacy. Yeah. Right. That's their thing. You know, I don't know the dynamics of the relationship outside of what the recording was. Right. Okay. And I don't feel like, you know, Kirk has to apologize, but he apologized because he felt his image was interrupted. Like, damn, we thought you were sweet in the tank. And he probably still is. But now we're looking at you on a whole different level. And then the reality for some to like, well, we shouldn't have these kind of conversations with each other. But you know what I remember when I was a man? Like sometimes those conversations put me back in line. I remember at at 16 years old, I tried to challenge, challenge my dad. Okay. I tried to fight him, right? <laughs> and this nigga put me right back in my place. And yeah. guess what? Never try to challenge him again. Yeah. You know what I mean? And even in a simple fact of my brother, right, being the older brother, um, I had a respect level, even though I knew that after a while, like, yeah, I'm younger brother, but I've had more um, time on the streets, street fighting than he has. Okay. So it's like, I could probably take this dude, right? Yeah. But I never allowed myself, no matter how how hardcore things got between me and him. I never went to the level of striking him. Yeah. Right. So I think sometimes people start trying to insinuate some of those words are really actual reality. When sometimes you utilize those words just to put somebody in place like Negro, you know, I'm gonna put my yeah. foot in your and, ass. And, and just without going deep in it, if you it, just to give the, put the framework, Kirk Franklin is what? 60 Sixty something. So, give I or guess, take, because his son is thirty three. Yeah. So uh, to put this in the con, because because the headlines is people's like he cursed out his son, and yeah. the first thing people think when you think son, you think child. Yeah. So it, this is he wasn't cussing out a ten year old or a thirteen year old. He was in a heated argument with a thirty three year old man. And so th that at that point these are just two grown men going back. And part of his argument was he didn't like some of the behaviors uh, of how his son was behaving. And the fact is if you're 33 and you want to record an argument with another grown man to put it on social media, I think I saw one of those little memes, like pretty much you sound like what he was calling you. Yeah, And, and, and people have said that there's mental health issues and there may be, I haven't heard it uh, on Kurt or on the son, uh, the son. And, oh, okay. and there may be, I just think that, we can't take what we saw with Kurt and connect it. For me, this is me saying that. Yeah, okay. I'm not, you know, I know lots of folks want to connect it and connect it with all things that are happening currently in our communities when it comes to the violence with um, women and when it comes to the violence against our children. Because I think there are times that men are still in control because I'm not going to kick my daughter's ass you know i'm not gonna yeah, put yeah. my you know what i mean I, okay I get words you, I are get said words are said but sometimes those words like i had a fight with my cousin and i simply told him like little dude i'll kick your ass like like and this was like a knock it off like yeah. you know I'll, like let's not get too carried away yeah <laughs> As a people, we make a lot of idle threats. Yes, and I blow this mother effer up. Exactly. Man, I beat your, because, like we, we say, hold because, on. Because here's what here, off the couch for. 
Because, and it was something, you know, MJ had pointed out. Remember the Cosby show when he was talking to Theo, um, Hux, Mr. Huxtable, um, and he was talking about, I brought you in this world and I'll, I'll take, take you out. out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We cheered that on. Whoa, yeah. Woohoo. We clapped that on. So why is it any different than two grown? And this is, this is, he was, of course, at that particular point, playing a high school student and that was the father. So why is it any different? When two grown men are charging, we don't know what initiated that reaction, right? So my thing is, here we here it is, when a, another grown man, and that's like I said, my cousin was challenging me, I sat there and just was trying to say something that might have not been the best things to say, but then it kind of challenges manhood, well, then we had to go do what we needed to do. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's necessarily destructive to our overall community because that's supposed to be an isolated situation that was supposed to happen in their family. And then it was never supposed to come out. What we're seeing happening right in front of us are our women getting killed are our young people being introduced to overly sexual uh, videos or performances like the Grammys. And we're cheering it all in the name of feminism and all this other type shit. So we're seeing actual things, right? that are destructive to our community and we say nothing about it. But once we make a joke out of something that these, these people are having, because evidently they've had probably more incidents like this. And the son was basically trying to, you know, destroy what type of credibility to destroy what kind of, um, you know, thing that his dad has of this framework of this holy godly man that becomes more of an inside factor than it becomes a community thing. In my opinion, yeah, I, I think that two dudes can scream at each other, uh, argue, yell, call every them everything but a child of God in a basketball game on the court, and neither one of them goes home and beats their wives or children. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it, it, the fact that you can, if you look at it in a vacuum, two grown men can get into a very two grown men can like different sports teams, and for three hours curse each other out to no end on some of the most disrespectful stuff because you a Celtics fan and they a Laker fan and go back and forth about how ain't nobody ish and this, that, and the third. And it seemed like they about to come to blows in the living room and then the game is over and everybody goes about their life and there's no issue or or situation. So to take called barbershop conversation. Yeah. But I mean, (laughs) so for some people who, who look at an interaction in a vacuum and you're like, well, he said this to him and listen to the sound of his voice and hear all the anger and frustration yeah, go to any go to any sports arena where they're playing baseball, basketball, football, and listen to what's said. Go to a high school game where people's kids are playing and listen to what's being said. Like go to like the level of the uh, so in a vacuum, just because two grown men are going at each other like this, this in itself does not mean it spills over into toxic masculinity and these people are uh violent to women and children or even violent to each other. I mean, realistically, most men know the the biggest ish talkers are the last ones to put their hands up. Like the ones who are known for just talking all kind of trash. They're the last ones who actually want to fight. You know, that's their thing is talking trash. So, I mean, and we're looking at what's actually really I would not start with Kirk Franklin and his grown ass son to if I'm saying we need these are the areas that we need to start shoring up within the community. Because two grown men getting a heated argument that did not end in violence. This was not this was not prior to the 911 call where Kirk Franklin takes his Grammy upside his son's head. This is just two grown men talking. 
you know, and I think that when we try to draw these false equivalences and try to make things connect where they don't and then ignore the stuff that does. Yeah. That's where we have all these problems. So I know you mentioned the the the, the Grammys and everybody was up in arms over how super sexualized the uh, Cardi B and Megan performance was and uh, like little kids, you know, screaming WAP. In, in, well, in I guess, home. I guess, I guess, but in the same sense of it, they were also singing. It was hard. Uh, it's hard out here for a pimp. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I guess these are the times that we're in, you know, but I just, I don't know. But then you had what Janet Jackson freaking being ostracized and banned from TV for a titty. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? So I don't, I don't know where we're at right now. Yeah. I mean, this influences that. So like like with Cardi, Cardi said like my kid don't listen to my music, yeah, and and they came for her and she was like, look, I don't make music for children, mine or yours. So if you allow your nine year old to listen to my music, that's nothing to do with me. But how can you? But here's the thing about that statement, and I'm and I clearly get it. Yeah, but there's no escaping the music. <laughs> there is no. Mm-hmm. You, there you is may not no be able escaping to escape the music, dog. Escape it, but the fact of it is, you can definitely regulate it a lot more than it is. Now, when you talk about your sixteen-year-old, no, your sixteen-year-old has got every. It's it's coming from all channels. But if, if you if your five-year-old knows the lyrics to WAP and knows the dance that, that goes with it, where she's on the ground beating her fist, throwing her you know toddler behind in the air, that's not because it just seeped through the cracks and it got her. That means she was sitting there watching it with you, listening to it with you, watching her older sisters, watching her mom and aunties, watching all these people do, you know, bust it open for the ground. And that's how it it, it, it penetrated. I get what you're saying. Like, you just can't escape it across uh-huh. the board. But it's another thing to be heavily inundated with it and, and, and just to get bombarded with it. I yeah, know I so do. many women who have their babies still in pampers out there. Drop it low. Drop it low. Shake it, mama. Like, yeah, I mean. This is the generation that we live in. We ju- we live in the generation of, uh, what is it? Uh, busted busted down challenges, uh, silhouette challenges, and all these other challenges that I've never ever participated in. I didn't participate in the water stupid challenge where he was throwing water yeah. buckets on I, this. All the, the chicken challenge, all the shit is corny to me. But I think that, um, not only the over sexualized performances that I think people were kind of like, mm, but the simple fact that. You also had that messaging connected with the Black Lives Matter. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so it's all of these things. It's like, what do we? How how can we even take anyone seriously at this matter? Because around this time, we was gearing up, right? We were gearing up yeah. to go to what a lot of us thought was war. Um, you know, because it's been genocide. I don't know what niggas be thinking. It's war. This ain't been war. I don't give a fuck what anybody tells you. War is when there's casualties on both sides. This has been genocide. Yeah, so yeah, the reality of war, there's been war in our own community amongst ourselves for sure. But this other thing that we have been dealing with, we're here, all this so oh, we're at war. We're not at war. We're just in genocide. So here we are a year later, right after Breonna Taylor. I think trying to justify that we're coming to a better place. And to me, all those, all those messages miss because am I focusing on um, the, the relative, uh, uh, you know, 
move of how the Grammys wanted to enter in more of a blacker uh, uh, television show and award more black people, right? And yeah. and want to put us on a pedestal for for this because black is trending again. Or were we going to talk about the oversexualized, you know, lyrics and and and, and performances? Or we're going to embrace the simple fact that um, certain black activists and and artists were trying to utilize this Grammys as a platform. In my reality, that shit was whack because the all the mixed messages and what yeah. we we still haven't received is what we've been fighting for justice so for me why are we trying to pretend things are sweet and continue to go to these places where we're not welcomed help support them in a way of like boosting up their ratings help support them in a way of well maybe these folks have figured it out like you know maybe they yeah. maybe they are turning the, the the other cheek when more and more things are continuing to happen not only in our communities but outside of the communities that affect us so for me, I think there has to be a moment to where we disconnect from certain systems that just simply think that because we're invited or simply think that because now they want to have a listening ear that it's okay to show up. Nah, because how the hell are we still at this conversation or topics when let's just look and I'm just going to just uh, predate it to 2013 with Trayvon Martin, 2014 with Mike Brown. Right. When when these issues have still been relevant, the only reason why it's manifested in this manner is because the pandemic happened and these multiple deaths is almost as if it was um, like planned or some type of I was like, seriously, where these multiple events, Brianna Taylor, uh, Ahmaud Aubrey. And I remember, mind you, Ahmaud Aubrey didn't get killed by police. He got killed by some white supremacists yeah. um, trying to be police, right? And as well as um, you have George Floyd. Yeah. You know, for me, it's just like watching all of this take place. And we're just a year removed. And it almost seems like we're getting comfortable. And I don't feel like this is the time for us to get comfortable. It's the time to really show folks like now we're not participating in some of these uh, platforms just because we don't want you to strategize, strategize or monetize in this moment, as well as if the families aren't participating in these things in these places and their voices are the voices, the victims are the voices in front. I think that it's just a bad move altogether. OK, so a few things in there. I think that um, a lot of the entertainers wise they're they they're a lot of them need to plug back into the machine yes because they realize their paper ain't as straight as they thought it was and in a business that you've got if you're lucky you're like a professional athlete you got a three to five year window if you're lucky to 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 really make your mark and then hopefully you did enough that can kind of carry you on the back end of your career especially if you're a recording artist you usually got about a three to five year window to drop Two, two projects, maybe three, to really solidify your career that you can then eat off those residuals and tour and all that stuff for the rest of your life. Very rarely does an artist drop in year one and then stay hot again in year seven and then be hot again in year 12. Mm. Like that don't really happen. Not everybody got that Drake run. No, very <laughs> rarely. That's why Drake drops albums every 12 months, every yeah. 18 months. 
and when he doesn't drop an album, he's dropping the features with everybody you know, to, to keep to keep the pilot light lit. Very few people can can could pull, you know, a Janet or a Michael where you drop an albums every few years and, and still, you know, world go crazy you know, with anticipation. That don't happen. So I get a lot of these artists who were like who were who weren't hot. They was lukewarm pre pandemic. Pandemic hits, they ice cold. They got to get back in the machine. Facts. And then the other ones that were hot pre-pandemic are now lukewarm, and they realize another year out the game, another birth, another candle on the birthday cake, and it's about to be a wash. Well, that you speaks. Know, so. but, but that speaks to the volume of what you're saying. The machine. Yeah. We're 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 not fighting to dismantle. That's what the I'm machine, the system. We're trying to find convenience and comfortability. And, and a position in a system. That's what I see more often happening. It's not about injustice. It's not about no, um, freedom. It's not about anything, but let's figure out a way how I can shift and navigate. Because again, when a so-called revolutionary organization gets 90 mil, <laughs> right? You yeah. know what I'm saying? And everybody survives. But the people that initiated their come up, the folks in Ferguson, you got Negroes dying every other like year there that was in the ferguson fight yeah. they're all dead that they're like a majority of them are dead and then you turn around and the folks who's capitalized off this pain they're here you know getting the just desserts and then you got families of the victims saying yo what's up with me and what's happening with mine so it's yeah. almost kind of like yeah, bruh shit is shit is real shit is real wicked Right now. Yeah, like I say, you and, and the thing with those is so if you got the payday, if you got the money, you got that through the machine. <laughs> so if, if the, the idea of of dismantling. Okay, and, real quick, real quick. If you then if you don't get it through the machine, where do you get the money? You'd have to get it through core support from the people who you're rallying around, who are rallying around you. So if if you're talking about uh tamir rice's family trayvon's family you're talking about uh mike brown's family you're talking about ahmaud arbery's family uh, george floyd's family that money part of it will come through you know uh like with the george floyd family which is compensation for the 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 negligence the hatred the whatever you want to call it from the system but they're but if you take families that where there's no payday like that, where there's no payout, that means the support would come from the community because you find a lot of other communities. And it's hate to compare because we all have different circumstances. But there are other communities that have funds set aside for members in the community that fall on hardship. That you can go before your community and there's money that's been pooled to help you save your house, to help you get your business, to help you pay for medical bills. There's other cu cultures that do that in this country. And that's how you do it without the machine. That's why some other cultures in this country don't respect the fact that you had a problem and you had to keep going outside of your group to, to get your problem fixed. They're like, how come y'all just don't take care of yourselves? So that's that's how you can get it outside of the machine. That that not being the case for most black people in America, we're not in that position for a multitude of reasons. But just being reality as of today, we're not there. So if you're going through the machine, you 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 need to keep the pilot light lit. Well, you 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 need to figure out a way. How do I how do I keep this thing rolling? 
And and to me, the machine in itself, I liken it to that that Matrix movie, the second one. So so when they're living in the city of Zion, and and uh, Neo goes to talk to the dude, the old the Chancellor, the old white dude, and they're like walking through the city in the middle of the night, and he's like, you know, we're going against the machines and warring with the machines, and the the Chancellor's like, you see those those machines that that these machines, uh, they they pump oxygen into the city. These machines over here, they help can take the heat from the core and they heat all the homes. He says, I don't understand how all of them work, but I know they work together to keep us alive. Mm. Sometimes it's not a question of the machine being your opponent or being your enemy. Sometimes it's about understanding how to work in conjunction with, but not be solely reliant and dependent upon it. And with us, we don't see the machine as like a hammer. Mm or a screwdriver, like a tool. We see the machine like a respirator. Like this is the only thing that can keep us alive as opposed to just using it as something, as a tool to, to build what we're building. And I, and I, and I, and I get that. And I've been in spaces when I seen that, that's why I can't really operate in certain spaces because I can't do it. So my thing is like, we have to stop falsifying our, our terms of what we're really doing and just say what it is. And, you know, a lot of folks are in for this shit for clout. And a lot of folks are, 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 you know, mimicking certain things that were done and it throughout history, but with different results. Like, you know, I don't believe anybody who does this work should not get paid. I think we all deserve a little bit of this shit is like life or death, but when it becomes more theater, when it becomes a lot more Hollywood, when it becomes a lot more, huh, it becomes more of an agenda that you decided, not the whole struggle. It was something you felt that was right. Because I would have sat there in that meeting if we were having it. We're talking about should we go on this platform for the Grammys? I'd have been like, why? You know what I'm saying? It, because if we're not going to do this to for every um, every, you know, entertainment platform oscars bt naacp whatever if we're not going to do this like a tour then what's the point then secondly i think that it's dishonorable to not connect with the families that are in immediately in the pain how do they want us to run the play you know what i'm saying you know get some insight for them and then allowing the community to know what's going on and like yo this is what we're trying to do because I think that so many times individuals always have pressers or get on their social media and say certain things to, to keep us aware will keep us in the know about what is the game plan. Cause I don't believe that every game plan um, has to be agreed upon, but when you kind of see it coming, you might be able to okay, understand what's okay, happening. Well, what does that look like? What do you mean? What does that look like? Keep the people in the know. Just as simple as, um, if I was on, you know, social media, right. Saying, Hey, y'all, you know what? Got a call from the Grammys. They want us to do blah, blah, blah. What y'all think about that? Like literally this is what it is. You know what I mean? Or allowing folks to kind of have some insight on what the play is like, well, I'm thinking I, I'm going to go to the you know Grammys rock out over here. I know it's okay. on bullshit. You know what I mean? These are the let's kind stay, of things they right there. Of all of a sudden, Chris Brown gets the call. Because he's had a bunch of hit songs over the year. 
you know, they want us to go to go to the Grammys. And Chris Brown is like, you know what? They they called me up to do this at the Grammys. What y'all think? The first thing is going to be ain't nobody trying to listen to you and care about what Chris Brown thinks we should do as a movement. Do you know what I mean? Like, but, are, but see, Chris Brown is a again entertainer. Well, no, well, I'm using the Grammys as an example. So who who else would I what I'm I'm using entertainers because who who would I use outside of the Grammys? Well, I, I, like, Chris Brown. I don't know Chris Brown's activism work in a sense of I'm not I'm sure he's doing something for his community in some capacity, but I'm saying like faces of well, who activism. as I'm saying like I'm, what what does this look like? Well, Killer Mike is an artist, right? And you know he was a part of the um you know Grammys performances. I would have loved to hear his take on the whys, the what's, and the where's of us utilizing this platform. Would have been okay. would have been interesting to hear his viewpoint. You know what I mean? It's just like these entertainers are being utilized and these celebrities are being utilized to push a vaccine. Like, yeah. you know, it, it just to me, it's, it's disheartening because it's like, I, and I've had, and I've had many interviews. I just had an interview with NPR and they was asking me the question and they thought they were going to have me on the show talking like, yeah, everybody get the vaccine. I'm like, well, uh, a lot of black people don't really see it like that because here's the thing. They want you to believe black people are actually begging for the vaccine. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know what, black people, we're going to go ahead and give you this needle. We ain't gave you nothing else. Ain't invested in your community. We've given you a mass incarceration. We've given you poverty. We've given you crime. We've given you drugs. But guess what? We got the needle for you. <laughs> and then in reality, it's just like, nah, some of us is thinking outside the box. And to me, when you think outside the box and you are supposed to be a conveyor of truth. You're supposed to be a conveyor of this is for my community. We'll then run the play for the community, but explain to the community what the play is, because what ends up happening, what ends up happening, like even if it like Black Lives Matter. I don't know who came out with the 90 million. I don't know what that conversation was, but I don't think they was forthright with the information. I think it just came out and then they had to kind of backtrack and say, oh yeah, but with the it money we're going to go do. After a while. Yeah, yeah. And then we're going to do this and that. But it was like when you was gaining all that money and all that traction during the time, y'all was quiet. <laughs> y'all, like, You got to remind you, there was probably at $30 million <laughs> uh, when shit was really popping off during the summertime with George Floyd. They, they probably looked at their little accounts like, damn. But nothing was said, and and there was no project initiated after the pain, right? There was nothing that was done on a level where we were aware, like, oh, okay, we got it. It was almost after the fact, like you said, public record, folks are going to find out. We don't want to look shady. A lot of the shit that happens around what we consider this struggle, this revolution, this movement looks shady to me, and it doesn't look genuine. And when it doesn't look genuine and it looks like propped up and it looks like eh, niggas is trying to monetize. And like you said earlier, you know, now folks are trying to figure out how to stay relevant. Right. A lot of niggas who were entertainers had to figure some shit out. So yeah. here is something to keep a lot of people relevant, because now it's more safe to talk about injustice. It's more safe to talk about white supremacy. These conversations and racism, these conversations, though it may be people in the room like, oh, here we go again. Some people are lifting up, standing up on the chair and like, teach me, teach me more. So mm -hmm. the kind of violence, right? Think about it. Back in the days, people who used to protest in these white neighborhoods or in these streets we were met with crosses 
on our lawn. You know what I'm saying? Uh, 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 guns uh, and dogs, brother, like water uh, hoses, uh, uh, rocks yeah, blown. Shit. Something thrown in. Uh, one of them, them, them bit on all this. One stuff. of them fire bombs thrown into our houses, yeah. like literally. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm positive because I know I've I've been surveillance. I know I've been watched in certain ways because they probably wanted to see how far is this going to go. But once they started figuring out, like, oh, y'all niggas is just asking for a seat at the table. Like, yeah, that's all we doing. We're not really trying to yeah. change anything, but we want to make it sound like we're trying to change it. They're like, oh shit, we ain't gonna even. We don't even need to really do quarantine pro because y'all niggas ain't gonna do nothing. Yeah. But what we will do is allow y'all egos and all this mistrust and keep giving y'all these platforms and celebrate you. And what we'll do is we'll pick out the leadership and say, okay, well, we're going to give funding. We're going to give support to your voices because Niggles is getting checks. Yeah. Let's not, let's be very clear. Niggles ain't okay, doing so none of this shit for free. Where some of us are doing a lot of this work really for free. Now we have other ways to make money, but they have figured out a way where people getting arrested is like a badge of honor where before it was like you get arrested, you don't know if you're going to come out of that jail. Yeah. yeah. So let, let's tie some of this together. So let's let's remove entertainers. So let, let, let's remove uh, whoever got an award and what they did or didn't say at the podium. Who are the people that the, that because we talk about leaders, there are no community appointed leaders in the black community. I would say that the closest that we have is, is Farrakhan. Farrakhan was not appointed by them. Black people appointed Farrakhan. Uh, everybody else are, are usually the system or the machine or other folks deem, oh, you'd be a good, you, you'd be a good representative for your people. That's them. And though there's quite a few of us who who, who rock with uh, the Honorable Minister Farrakhan, uh, if you don't, I don't know who could be up there talking, trying to 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 say this is what the move is or this is what on code looks like that we as a as a not even a whole, but as a bulk would say, I'm listening to him or her anyway. <laughs> so some so before it's like, OK, why didn't so and so use this platform to talk? Who? Because if, if you pick, you know, you say Killer Mike, but there's a whole lot of people who are like, I don't want to listen to a rapper tell me about what, what I'm supposed to be doing in the struggle. Mm-hmm. Like he, he gives a lot of very sound information when it pertains to economics, ownership, all that stuff. And there's people who dismiss him for the sole fact of his profession. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear T.I. say nothing about nothing. That's before all this stuff. Now, <laughs> I don't want to hear. You know, this comedian, Dave Chappelle says some very profound things, but I'm not about to live my life by the words of a comedian. Mm-hmm. So who is it that we that's even that that could take a major platform because the Grammys are are highly viewed? There's none. We don't even need to go into <laughs> there's none, bro. Well, so there's that's not, what I'm saying. So not, saying how come nobody stood up and did something? Who's there to even there, there, that is that even a practical thing? Do you think Malcolm X would have got invited to the Grammys? No. <laughs> and when you talk about Farrakhan, why don't they invite Farrakhan to the to, to the to the to the Grammys? Okay, but that's what I'm saying. So so if that's what I'm saying. So why are we looking to anybody who's there for anything they do? I just think that people that do the work, people like I guess a lot of people from the people that do the work, the victims, they get tired of watching things get monetized, things get um, co-opted. 
things get hijacked, hijacked, and the intentionality is 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 scripted, right? It's not you're not you're not working with the brain trust of of the people that when it before it became trending, before yeah. it became trendy, before you figured out, wow, I can say some of this shit and, and people will actually respond in a positive way, they were doing it, right? And and being okay with walking away with certain, you know, out of certain spaces. Like for me, when I challenge the system, I challenge our systems of black people, our code of conduct, our code of misconduct. I'm not just challenging the system, right? Like I said to you earlier, a lot of this fuckery that's going on in the black community right now, why do people want to point the figure at white supremacy? I'm not. Not on all things. Because yeah. some of these Negroes don't even know the connection of how white supremacy has inconvenienced their lives. So I'm not going to give them that alley-oop to say, hey, gotcha, got an excuse for you. What? Yeah. Tell them white supremacy. Got it, dog. That's what I'm going to say. I was mentally ill and white supremacy made me do it. I told you, dog, it'll work every time. I'm not doing that because some Negro shit is just some Negro shit that they just have put themselves in. You yeah. got nothing to do with none of those things. So I say that to say that We've come so long into a fight that our ancestors had. This is not a new fight. Yeah. Our ancestors was battling this. And their end results was death, poverty, uh, tears, um, being silent, watching real leadership be murdered or jailed or be exiled. This is the thing. And to make their whole movement feel like this movement was corruption or this movement was considered to be vile to the 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 roots of America when really the injustice fight back in the days was to save America as i still believe some of it is too right now but i currently think that it's too it's too plastered with too much of the shit that does not connect like we don't need to connect ratchet shit or or dysfunction shit with what we are trying to get accomplished because that shit needs to be addressed as well. Because when people talk about defunding the police and we need to police our own communities, I say, well, how the fuck are we going to do that? Yeah. Even though I understand the dynamics of defunding police, because if we're not challenging the things that's in our community to say we got to get this shit right before we even interact with the other shit, though that's important, we're going to be done. We don't have any systems in place, no infrastructure. So if someone's running the play, so like, I'm going to go do this right here well, and I'm going to get a bag and bring that bag home. I'm going to start doing this over here, this community, doing here in this community to do that. I, you know what? I'm all for it. But if it's just like you just want to kind of be um, the voice box of the black community because you are deemed whatever leader they feel, you are deemed the, the purpose of person of purpose and there's really no purpose except your own individual accolades in what you're doing, it doesn't support the work that we're talking about needs to be done in our community. There's okay, no so time, wait, 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 quick. There's okay. no time for me, for us to celebrate we've accomplished anything a year after we've had all these heinous acts, whether it's the pandemic, whether it's the police killing, whether it's the killing in our community, all these things that have happened, there ain't no reason for us to be in platform celebrating shit like we've arrived. Now, that's just it. my opinion. So what's what's the, ar the, the then the argument for saying if you take Malcolm who died broke, Martin who died broke, you take all the, the, market, the, 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 the um um MLK died broke. You sure? I thought yeah, he had a little he, bit of money. He, he wasn't balling. 
Okay. Well, he had some money. He, he wasn't balling. And not for the impact that he left on this world. If you look for what he did to what he had, that's not that's that, not that, that don't even out. And that's, that's not Jim case. Jones balling. <laughs> and that's the case for everybody. That's that's the, any activist you can think of. That's the case for all of them. Well, now some of them going to have uh, meals. So th- so this is the thing. So if the, the argument is, is, well, why didn't you put it on the line? Like you said, well, Malcolm be go to the Grammys. Would Why don't you put it on the line like they want on the line? Because I don't want to die penniless. I don't want to give my life to a struggle that the needle may or may not move. Malcolm left his wife and was it four daughters? Really with nothing. You know what I mean? Like, like that's how he left the world. So if somebody's like, that's not what I want for me. Like, that's not what I want for my family. So if I need to make some move, to get my bread up, you know, what was it say? The best thing you can do for poor people is not become one of them. Yeah. You know, if, if you're sitting there trying to say, okay, I need, I get that. I respect the struggle that they put. They left it all on the line. Brother who put the fist up at the Olympics, never had a chance to be in the limelight again. You know, brother who, who wears a dashiki to the white house, never got a, a shot at it again. Shit. Black Panthers. But I'm I mean, saying, some so of them, you take these some people of them, who were like, so, I put it on the line for my people and I left just the world with nothing. Yeah, well, I know. I said some of them are just now getting the just desserts. Yeah. So it, so if somebody's like, I need to go, I'm going to go run a different play. I can't do it the way they did it in the 50s. Okay, well, then say that. Don't make it assume that you're risking your life. Just say the play that you're going to run. Don't make it assume. Don't insinuate you will die for this when you're not. You're not ready to die for this because that's what it's going to take. It's going to be death before okay. dishonor. So let's get a little deeper because maybe my thing is I don't see these people out here talking about I die for this. There's there's a few, but those aren't the ones that I would put out there. They're not uh, many folks. Act, many folks act. You don't necessarily have to say. And a lot of folks have said that they die for freedom or whatever the hell they're going to say. It's not real. It's not true. They again, folks want to get a comfortable position in the system of white supremacy. So they could be the person, um, the Negro that is in the room that is connecting the dots or the Negro that's, you know, basically able to be the voice box of the community. You know, like, dog, I've been in rooms prior to a lot of this stuff when it was hot and like, yo, we need to talk to the most radical of the radical minds. And then when they felt comfortable, I'm not in these rooms no more. You don't you think they're not having no conversations? I'm just yeah. not gonna be invited because I'm too radical. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I'm the type of Negro. I'm like, all right, cool. I that's good. But what about these abandoned buildings over here in this area? Why can't we get something to be built over here? Like, why can't y'all give us some money for that? Yeah. Um, can you not invite him next time to the to, to meeting? Okay. <laughs> because I'm like, all right, we'll fet, set forth some real, real sustainable projects. That can withstand the moment. There's too many symbolic gestures of progress being pinpointed. I had there was a big Hollywood march in Sacramento during the moments of how hot this thing was here in our city during the righteous uprising. And one of my good friends called me up. Mind you, they had all kind of so-called folks that were trying to stand within the gap. That was going to, you know, be talking. And he asked me to come. I said, I ain't going to that Hollywood shit. This for what? Them niggas ain't going to be talking that shit. I'm talking. 
You know what I'm saying? And yeah. and there's and it, my conversation ain't always. It, it's never really kill white people because I don't even live in that kind of existence. Some niggas do. I don't. My my conversation is always about humanity, but it's also about accountability. It's also about checking privilege. It's also about checking white supremacy. And it's also about not being comfortable in moments because these folks enact these moments to calm down the fury inside us, to, to subdue the anger, to make it seem like, hey, we're making progress. How many goddamn times are we going to hear that same overplayed anthem? Okay. We shall overcome. So, so right there, I think maybe is where there's partially a disconnect. I think there's a lot of black people who are not as angry as they pretend to be. Why would they be angry? Now, I'm, I'm, so, so when we so when we talk about let's let's put these symbolic gestures up to, to yeah. quell the <laughs> anger. Let's put these these award shows up to to get folks docile again. I think that number is inflated of, of the of the angry black people like like for real for real angry black people and and what i mean by that is not that you're not bothered by things or that things don't affect you but if i had to, a scale of keeping things the way they are versus being upset enough to change keeping things the way they are is outweighing upset enough to change so that's what i mean by not 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 angry enough well, well, here's the thing about it. I mean, you, and I and I agree with you. That's why I say that folks are more involved in making slow progression and having a seat at the table to be the voice, to be the person called, right? To to be the expert, yeah. right? To be the Van Jones or the Al Sharpton of this generation or whatever yeah. they deem to be, right? To have the pulse on the black community. But never really addressing having that pulse is sometimes dumbing down or be so vengeful in your articulation of what's happening. But just like we said earlier in the conversations that we had, it's just a whole lot of hot smoke and hot air. It doesn't really mean anything. You could be like, we we want to burn down the whole goddamn village. But it's like you're not you're not gonna do it, but you you know someone else could do it. So stay right you're there. Not gonna do so it. what if it's just the shift of where there's now just more of them? Oh, 100 percent Well, no, so I'm saying so if the whole thing of how come we're not doing this? Why don't we get involved in that? How can we show up this way? Why do we take these because there might just now be more of them? Black people once upon a time, and I've said this story numerous times, I'll say it again. Once upon a time. A Muhammad Ali was no different than a Malcolm. And that's why they were able to relate because Muhammad Ali was the champion of the world, but he was still considered a damn Negro like Malcolm. And this is before Muhammad Ali would speak the way Malcolm would speak in a sense of yeah. the reality he lived in. Right. And I think that the summer of what is that, that um, night in Miami with yeah. Sam Cooke, Jim Brown, that's a perfect correlation of understanding where black people were in all fields of entertainment, still struggling on how they were going to maneuver because they were still looked at as public enemy one. Number one, no matter the, the fans they had, no matter the money they made, no matter the occupation they was in, it was just like, shoot, I... I might as well be friends with Malcolm because they all think that we all plotting the same kind of plot and plan. 
that's what was so um, powerful of that because black people were still being told by a common white boy who just got done, as I, I love saying it, you know, he was sitting in the bleachers, <laughs> you know, watching the fight. And Muhammad Ali would have got on the bus, stood in the front, and he would have tapped Muhammad Ali on the shoulder, like, hey, great fight, champ, but why are you up in the front? You're supposed to be in the back. Yeah. Like how a Negro was treated back in the days. You, you, Negroes would, of course, try to betray their people for greener pastures because, you know, that was happening. Yeah. But it was like, oh, damn, nigga was this. The unoccupied space was real lonely, right? But you now have a parade of us. No matter how yeah. powerful we look at, um, you know, the Jay-Zs and the Beyonces of the world, they are part of the machine, yeah. right? Like those two alone, like how powerful would have been if, you know, Beyonce didn't show up to the Grammys? Yeah, she showed up like unexpectedly. And I know she was probably... You know, she was doing that for Megan, and 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 I, and I was great support for you know Megan, and I'm and shout out to all of them. But it don't bother y'all niggas that after 26 years of a career or more, that Nas just finally got a a, a Grammy, like that don't that don't look funny to y'all. As many people have been, uh, I used to watch this shit back when I was younger, and I remember. After the Michael Jordan era, Michael Jackson, excuse me, Michael Jackson era, when he would just always win, and yeah. it just became like a joke. It was like, damn, no black person that has great music is ever going to win this shit. It's almost kind of like you you have to be like a foot. You have to go over and beyond because it just seemed like they would just give the award to who the fuck they want to give the award to. Idell, yeah. she's won again. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's like, come on, man. Miss me with that kind of hypocrisy. So my thing is, when we are really trying to attack the enemy, we have to separate from the enemy's just desserts. And some of those just desserts are the acceptance that white people have on these platforms that say they accept us. And white acceptance is a black disease that has no cure because it always seems when they embrace us and they accept us, we run to them instead of saying, nah, we've, we've done this rodeo again. We ain't doing it. We're off. I ain't showing up. And it's okay. Because what I know, the power of black people, because we are watching the power of black people. If we just put all this energy into our own shit, or if we manifested the NAACP awards, the BET awards, the Soul Train awards, and yeah. highlighted it in a way that we do the Grammys and Oscars and all these Academy awards, if we gave it that much relevance that we give all these other awards, why the hell do we have to show up? try to entertain them and whatever black is trending and when it's not trending they won't invite us because it's too black too strong it's unapologetic so we can't have you at this particular time but maybe next year when shit is hot again we'll bring you on why do we continue to try to put our blackness in a doormat where these people do not want to fuck with us like that anyway i don't give a shit how many black people they put in positions of power these 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 platforms ain't for us create our own shit that creates the power that to me is a power line creating our own okay so take the the bet award bet is now owned by uh, a trash a, a white industry <laughs> bob johnson sold bet and then you take naacp which was a, a founded by a bunch of white people trash so I guess you should make the argument for the Soul Train Awards. I'm not sure who the who actually sits at the top of uh, of of that, but we talk about creating a platform. 
what, like the closest thing we had to be was, was, would have been Bob Johnson and BET, which never truly uh, manifested in all that it could be. And then you had uh, it hit a ceiling, huh? That was that was just that was just due to poor vision and execution. The reality of it is that BET should have been where you saw all the HBCU games. It should have been the network that had uh, the the black version of CNN for all the the news and stuff going on. It should have been uh, all things culture and stuff. They could have very easily did that. Like BET could have been ESPN. And guess what? Black people don't want to support shit like that because we like to support ratchet shit and chaos and dysfunction. Like I said, it wasn't necessarily a support issue because when they did have the teen summits and they had the the shows, we didn't support it after a while. No, no. But what I'm saying is they went away from that. This is what's about leadership of the network because the shows that they had that had value had ratings. It was that then they tried to keep when MTV and Viacom made the shift. BT tried to compete with them as a music video station as opposed to a black network. Mm. And then that's the shift. Then it turned into music videos 24 hours a day. And all you saw was 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 tip drill and, and all that stuff on and then MTV just did a switcheroo and then put more content <laughs> based on network. and then they started their own reality shows and their own networks and their own all stuff. Yeah. And then BT was left out on a brand. Yeah, like BT was on to something and it's like, we done again. So, white acceptance. But I'm saying that wasn't a case of 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 that was just like I said, poor leadership of the network. Like you you had something, they saw you. They not only did did because they bought MTV too, they bought VH1, all that. They did everything that BET was doing and put it on MTV, MTV2, and VH1 and, and killing the game. BT had was had their hands on something and then trying to keep up with the Joneses switched it up and they lost. But but it wasn't due to a lack of support. Because there's not one show that you could say in that time period that black people wasn't watching. You know what I'm saying? If you go from yeah, Bobby I, Jones think, gospel to yeah, but I think that after a while, I think that after a while, we're looking for because as we know, there's only probably one man that can exist off black dollars, and that's probably Umar Johnson. You know what I'm saying? As far as he right, right, real talk. a handful, but yeah, yeah, he he he's, right. he's, yeah, he's, he's all Unless black. He's got some white donors we don't know about, right? Um, yeah. probably he probably does. Who knows? But anyway, um, I, I honestly think that. You have to be able to shift your your um, marketing to diversify your dollars because you're not going to be able to survive. Even though it's said that we spend trillions and trillions of dollars, black people are finicky and, you know, we want a variety of things. So as if you're saying, if we didn't switch into more of a variety concept, like that would have been dope to me if Living Color, right, when it got canceled, BT picking it up. You know what I mean? Like these are kind of moves. Where- yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Had, had if they'd have kept the, like I use ESPN as the 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 basis because ESPN has its flagship station, yep. but then they have their station that's dedicated strictly to college sports, yep. and it's and a station that's dedicated strictly to this that had BET kept that mindset. Like I said, go to all the HBCUs that don't get televised on the major markets, and say, look, we're gonna show the Howard Hampton game because you can't see it anywhere. Like we're going to show all the, we got a, a, a BET network that does nothing but college sports, mm. all the basketball games, all, all the HBCU week where they do uh, homecoming week, all the, the functions that go with that. 
all that on BT. Everybody, black folks is watching. If you got to see, the, you got to see the homecomings of all the HBCUs on on this network. People are tuned in, like, or, or 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 like BT at Freaknik or some shit like that, right? All that stuff. If you do all the stuff that black people do, if you just said like like BT, they never did like what MTV did, like Spring Break. They never did like like I said, free- all those things. <laughs> If you said if they had the if they had the are we going to, when they used to do the the freaking Jack the Rapper and all that stuff if you yeah, yeah. behind the scenes of all the rappers that who they are now if you have footage of all those guys back then the making of juice like you know what I'm saying like it, okay so MTV before we get to MTV you used to have to do that thing uh, behind making the video yeah and whoever the hot artist was when they're getting ready to put their next single out they'd follow them around for like two or three days. And film all the behind the scenes at the shoot, the setup, all that. If you had the, you know, uh, homecoming behind the scenes, HBCU. If you had only black artists, so if you take the time period, if you had, you know, Beyonce and Usher and whoever it was at the time period, you're following them around. Why was it? Why was Cribs on MTV? Like, if you're gonna have a show idea, highlighting. Uh, outlandish spending and homes. Why don't be with the black? Person? Why, why was like- cribs on a, on MTV and not on BT? Oh man, bro. you know what I'm saying? Like it's not a I, it's not a question of not support. It's just why was TV. pimp your ride on MTV? On MTV. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> okay, you would tell me that real world would not have been crazy on 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 a, on a black based show of putting seven people together in an apartment. It's almost you know, like all these ideas come after the fact. Right, it all comes after well, the thing. I guarantee you, some of these shows was pitched to BT. You think so? Oh, 100%. I'm sure. Something to that nature. I'm I'm sure that some of these shows that ended up on MTV and VH1, because you got to remember, Flavor of Love for the Love of Ray J. All that stuff is VH1 MTV stuff. But you know what I think that it is. Wilding I think that, out. Like, I, but I, but I, but I think image wise, image wise, I think that. Sometimes we as a people don't want to display us in those kind of um, stereotypical atmospheres and roles. I mean, you know, I'm if, vo- I'm- if, if you had a network that had that and it's about, like you said, diversity is in also like I said, you could have had you could have kept BT of, uh, uh, that that fo- features on music and videos like and all BT that. videos and then the BT network, just like how they transferred because ESPN still has the major college game. That's what I'm saying. But all those other, you know, we're gonna That's what I'm saying. You, you could have had seven different BET networks because they have BET stars, which does the movies, whatever. Yeah. But you could have had seven different networks. You could have had a, a branch of the network strictly for sitcoms and dramas. You could have had like the black ER. You mm-hmm. could have had, you know, they make it seem like there's not Atlanta is more than housewives and hairdressers and all that. They act like we're not doctors in New York, they act like we're not police officers in Chicago. They mm-hmm. act like we're not firefighters in Detroit. They act like there's not all these dramas like black people like black people don't like romantic comedies. We do. We don't Love just want to see Tom Hanks and, and Meg Ryan and all yeah, these can't even relate to this shit, right? You know yeah, it, it, and when we do get them, we get Will Smith, but we get Will Smith with Eva Mendez <laughs> instead of Will Smith with Megan Good. That's why I think like a man did so well, because it was a romantic comedy type base of actual black couples. Yeah. We'd watch all that. But if you had a network that showed, I'm saying like, it's not because we wouldn't support it. It's just, I think that we lack vision to you pull know, the when trigger. it comes to leadership. And then but, I think, 
Go ahead, finish what you said. Uh, I'm saying so for, for all these things when we're talking about, so keeping the vision and keeping the leadership, the things that we don't see represented, just like we don't see them represented on TV networks, we don't see them represented on the news because we are looking for Bruno Mars to tell us what to do. Facts. We're, we're waiting for Beyonce to show us the way. Facts. And when we get people who are in front of us, you have to be, you, you, there's a clout criteria before we'll even listen to you. So if, if you show all of a sudden somebody in Cleveland has never heard of Barry Axios and something happens to where you get in front of enough people with a sound plan for, for black folks to move forward. The first question, well, who the hell is he? You know what I'm saying? How much money he got? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, 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 what is he? Oh, well, he don't make enough money for me to listen to him. Mm. He, he don't, you know what I'm saying? That's the, that's the lens that we look through on, on who it is we go for. I'm going to follow Beyonce. Beyonce got her husband worth a billion dollars. Hell, Kanye's a billionaire. So, I mean, he must have done something right. You know, let, let, let me, let me hear what he got to say. Meanwhile, the dudes who are the men and women who are boots on the ground, the ones who are grassroots, the ones who are making impacts in their area code because they're not in the tax bracket and we don't own the media outlets in the state of California where we are, there's two black owned radio stations, two. And we're fortunate enough that one of them is here. The other one's in Los Angeles. When it comes to getting information out to our people, we, we don't have the outlets to do it. Yeah, We don't have infrastructure. Mm-hmm. On those voices, well, well, how can somebody hear Barry Axis when they when they go through when they turn on their radio and everything goes through iHeart and goes through the machine? Well, I'm hearing these folks tell me all day what it is, but I don't have an outlet to hear the people who actually share my my thoughts. So, I mean, I say and all that stuff when we when we look at who we look to, it's not coincidence that we. The the masses is following, waiting for Cardi B to tell them to go vote, or or, or waiting for Puffy to tell you, you know, die. Yeah, like I I think that so I I, I mean, cause trying to part, and it's not to be pessimistic, but how do we move the needle? Well, we can't really move the needle when we have so many issues within um you know the hen in the barn so to speak, um you know, and that just goes into like you know. The, the the before we you know move and you know because I want to definitely touch on it um looking at what happened in Indianapolis with the quadruple murder over a stimulus package you know a, st- a stimulus check you know young girl dead seven years old um you know the guy killed uh his girlfriend's boyfriend auntie and shot her it just you got all these unsound things happening. Uh, because people are in a definite, definite um, emergencies in their lives. Trust me, I get it. I understand it. But I just think that for me, I've lived in a moment where I feel more sensible. And, and I think out how I want my legacy to be played out. And I'm not so impulsive. And I and I, and I think that the demons in me, I shut them up. <laughs> right? Keep quiet. <laughs> you you can't come out. Yeah, yeah, they, you know, because I don't, you can't get rid of what you, you know, that's internal, you know, no matter how much you pray, no matter how many therapy sessions, I think just what you really do is just contain it and learn how to control it um, because they're going to be there. Um, you know, insecurities will show regardless. It's just how do we 
um, show up when they show up and, and, and show their face that triggers us to do something that we can't take back. So for us having these multiple facets of issues in our community from who's leading us to how we being led to what we're consuming to uh, what we're spending, to what we're buying, to uh, what's important to us, to what we believe in, all these different things that create a beautiful being all in the while, <laughs> all in a while it creates a, a, a beautiful black person, but the ugliness of us sometimes gets highlighted a lot more and is a lot more detrimental because I don't think, because we when we don't cr- control the narrative, you see more of the destructive destructive nature and more of the issues and it's not combated by the powerful influences that are creating change every day and it doesn't have to be because it's a world or local or statewide issue it just is them navigating and moving in life like you said seeing a black doctor um you know seeing an entrepreneur coming up and, and not with all this fanfare just seeing regular everyday joes um and joannes navigating through this this process that are not highlighted because we don't have the infrastructure that presents these alternatives right that does not teach us or gives us the ability to feel like yo the stimulus check dog it ain't worth it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Let me, let me, you know, it's it's not worth it because we battle these systems that we say are unjust. But in reality, some of these systems have really saved some of our own people's lives because right. this dude just got, got locked up and they let him out because he took a lesser charge with some gun shit. And here he is doing quadruple murder. And it's us that's fighting against these systems because we've been bombarded and been um, ran over by systems that have been here to oppress. But it's hard pressed to look at these systems and like, damn, am I really doing the right thing? Am I am I moving in the right way? Because now some of these systems are letting some of these folks fly under the radar that have mental illness or just so out of whack that have not been rehabilitated in yeah. no way, shape, form or fashion that do the same thing, if not even worse. So these are the kind of things that are it's just it's a it's a fight, you know, because you want to sit there and say, yeah, let's abolish, let's dismantle. But it's like, damn, some of these folks that we got up in this motherfucker right here just just ain't never going to get it. And they need something more than what we can offer. Because yeah, as black people, that, that we, don't, system, we can't offer as much. That system that that is unjust to to a, a good number has been beneficial when it pertains to other things. <laughs> there are some folks who need to be in Rikers for life. There Bro. are some folks who do who need to be in San Quentin and yes. removed from general population yes. because they would they do not mean anybody now, well. Now you got the Browder situation when he was in Rikers for too long and yeah. should have never been in Rikers and eventually committed suicide. You have yeah. those moments. But it, it just seems like more often than less we're putting people back on the streets with no kind of, uh, um, you know, connections to any any services provided or necessary for them to truly get the help before they do the same thing that got them locked up or they do something worse that's going to get them locked up forever. Yeah. And the whole part about it 
these people usually still live and their normal has been being locked up. So reality for me, for them Keep is almost like shit. I've been locked up more of my life than I've been free. So, so it's did not you hear really about Arizona. Huh? I think I believe it's Arizona. The the new proposal that they're putting forth are that sex offenders, sexual if you this is rape, child molestation, human trafficking, uh the solicitation or trafficking of child pornography, all that they want mandatory life sentences for for Sex, sex register sex for sex offenders. What they want to do is because sex trafficking is so huge there, they want to make it to where you, you done. Like this, sex trafficking. I mean, this is this is if you out there trafficking little girls, if you or little, little boys, girls. that instead of registering for the rest of your life, you you lock up. See those are, those are those are those are like those are now sex trafficking. Children is different than sex trafficking. You know what I'm saying? This is it's a tangled web. Like, you know, a woman that's a grown woman and she decides, you know, and you are with her along the ride. To me, it's like, okay, you're going to put that motherfucker in jail for the rest of his life. Well, so 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 Clifford, so defining. So in the state of California, which if you go back 20 years, it was it was pimping and pandering and pandering. Pimping and pandering, uh, and depending upon where you at, that was a misdemeanor. Like yeah, you, you, you can get picked up on a Friday night and be back be home back on a Monday. Shit, tell, tell your girl to hold it down for the weekend, or maybe you have to do a week. You coming out, baby? <laughs> Take care of business till I get back home. One hundred percent. You know, pimping and pandering. The Bay Area folks know all about that. Well, because of uh, the world, the state of the world, they've shifted pimping to human trafficking. Because there's more than enough data that shows a lot of these girls who get started are minors. Yep. Uh, a lot of them uh, runaways. Some of them full fledged, just flat out kidnapping. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then they're um, they're not they're the victim in this situation because even though she's 17, saying yeah I'll do it for whatever reason, uh, she is not of the legal mind to to make that decision. And now she's 22, 23, 24, 25, 26. And she's doing it of her own accord. But what they take into consideration is that because of how she started, that this is just a continuation uh, of, of that original situation gradual, gradual, gradual as opposed world. to this is just what she just woke up one day and decided to do it. So uh, and there's a there's a lot of stuff, too. There's a lot of women who are beaten into prostitution and they're they're strong, uh, depending upon how long in the tooth you are. They used to call it gorilla pimping. Yeah. Where it would just be like, hey, you gonna you gonna take go home with this customer for a hundred dollars? No, I don't want to. And he just draw back and hit her as hard as he can across her face. Know all about you, it. You gonna go home with this dude? No, I'm not. He gonna go as hard as he can across her face. Ain't too many more times before her answer is gonna be okay. Yeah. And and so gorilla pimping was you just you just beat him into submission. Mm-hmm. And so this those types of cases is what turned pimping from pimping and pandering misdemeanor into human trafficking because the person though they're saying I'll do it they don't really have a choice. Yeah. But I also think but I also think it was also a plot to throw more black men in jail. But that's Well, just- a part of this actually goes from a reporter who was from here from SAC which they they were uh scouring the world following human trafficking and she came to find out that the nest was 60 miles from where she lived, grew up. That they traveled and found all these trafficked little girls all across the country in East Asia and South America, all that, and then found out the hub that was in the Bay Area. 
here mm. in California, that this was where all this, this stuff was starting and going on. So that keeping that all that to say that the shift has been now human trafficking is, is it, it comes, it's now federal, especially you take a girl across there. You take a little girl and traffic her here. That's human trafficking. You take her to Reno to work and cross state lines. That's now federal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're really trying. And that comes with a dime. So we used to be able to do a week or two on some pimping and pandering. You, you get an automatic 10 is, is, is the move. So in Arizona, the proposal is that they're talking about is they want to make it. If you traffic in little girls, if you're uh, because they have trafficking, it comes to people coming over the border, uh, any of these types of things that it comes with. Uh, they, you want you, you're not registering for the rest of your life. You raping, child molesting, you're not registering for the rest of your life. You uh, taking, receiving, soliciting, selling, purchasing child pornography, Jared, rest of your life. Like mm. we're not even playing with you no more. I mean, uh, brother. I mean, I, I hate to say uh, it's, it's, it's a tough angle because, again, these systems have set us up. You know, it only has to have sometimes someone saying you did something for you to be guilty no. and, and ain't done nothing. We have a lot of black men, especially that have been in prison for the wrong thing. Right. Or things they haven't done wrongfully accused. So it's difficult to manifest that because, you know. We talk about restorative justice and I really believe people can change because I am a example of people can change. <laughs> you know what I mean? I used to be that guy and, you know, I've transformed to him being a different person in my life, in my world. Um, and I'm always transforming to the next level of my life. So I believe opportunities and it didn't take, re- it didn't take jail rehabilitation. It didn't take that. It just took uh, a heavy look in the mirror to ask myself what legacy am I ready to live and leave right um and what am I okay with that people will talk about so I'm, I'm it's hard for me to say I think what you're saying we should do it's hard even though I'm very very angry at some of the behavior at our people but I just think that a person killing four people especially kids there ain't no there ain't no phasing and turning that back. It's, it's just like lock them up, throw away the key. But now these other things, it's real questionable. And that's also thinking about and speaking upon having the ability to allow people who have been caught up in this lifestyle because of circumstances, not just necessarily because they thought that this was a right career choice, but because of circumstances that why are, if I started pivoting, and, and, and pandering at 17 but i got caught at 21 that means i go to life i go think to jail. You know what I the full details that they're looking like if you get convicted what i would assume the first if let's just say this passes all this through before i know we running running later if, if we pass if this thing got passed through i think at face value i think it would be there'd be a lot of people pleading guilty to lesser charges mm. so if you got caught pimping in scottsdale uh, I think there's a whole lot of people who are going to the conviction rate is going to be ninety nine point nine percent. I think because everybody's going to say, let me just cop to whatever lesser crime to avoid this. So uh, incarceration rate would just be insane. 
Okay. Uh, and, and I think that would probably be the because I don't really see a, a lot of pushback. They're just in the early stages. This is I think it just got passed in, in the first stage or something. But there's not going to be a what, what's going to who's going to be the, the, the people who stand on <laughs> not locking up sex offenders. There's gonna be a few people, bro. Yeah, I, gonna, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, but I mean gonna, like, trust me, it's gonna stand. It's not gonna just stand like that. Now, nah, but I mean, I think if you're when you start looking at uh political affiliations and and getting folks behind it and and the politicians pushing for it and and really rallying the people behind it, I don't know too many people who are trying to who will really be there'll be people like of the people who will say, Well, what about the cases where an 18 year old high school senior has a 16 and a half sophomore girlfriend that's statutory rape that's that's a sex offender mm. you know what i'm saying so there's going to be some some gray area and probably some verbiage change because like they had that case where the, the the two kids uh the dude the girl sent a picture of herself to him he sent a picture of himself back to her the girl's mm-hmm. parents saw it saw it and then because he had it on his phone that was uh, child pornography. Or child pornography. <laughs> so, and they were both in high school. So it was like there will be cases like that. where the, where there's going to be uh, gray area, which will be up to interpretation and jury and where what county you're in and all that. Uh, but I, I mean, I would look to see how this goes because when you start making broad strikes, statements like uh, all of a sudden, certain communities get the pleading less to lesser stuff, and other ones gonna get the book thrown at them. And you already know what community that's going to be, and that's why yeah. these these things we got are a challenging. Binding mark on yeah, the side of our year, where we keep getting hit with the book. Yeah, like okay. that's that's the challenging part about it. We always are the ones that face the maximum penalty yeah. when these things come out and roll out. They're yeah. targeted for us, not anybody else. Yeah, mandatory minimums. They had us in mind. Yes. So <laughs> we're talking about where can folks keep up with you to to uh, keep up with this type of conversation. Uh, Barry Axius on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and IG. I'm Jermaine Morris on Facebook, every other social media platform at J Morris CEO. This is Say Something with Jermaine Morris and Barry Axius, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts. Tap in and on Facebook. Yep, we got this, the, the, the Say Something podcast page up on Facebook. Wherever you catch this, wherever you're listening to it, tell a friend, rate it, leave a comment. We greatly appreciate it. Peace. Until next show, we will holler at you later. Peace.